Hello, and welcome to episode 253 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. A warm welcome to Patrick W. and Mateus S. to The Modern Manager community. When you become a member, you're investing in yourself and your team. You'll get additional resources and support to help you implement what you're learning from each episode, along with access to a community of like-minded managers, plus special offers from guests and extended interviews. For the price of one Starbucks latte each week, you can do something to improve your managerial capabilities. Head on over to themodernmanager.com slash join to learn more and become a member today. Today's guest is Byron Morrison. Byron is the author of Maybe You Should Give Up, Seven Ways to Get Out of Your Own Way and Take Control of Your Life. He's also a mindset and performance coach who, for close to a decade, has worked with CEOs, business leaders, and entrepreneurs in 15 different countries to help them take control and become more effective in their role. Byron and I talk about managing your time and energy to be most productive and effective. He shares some counterintuitive approaches to dealing with overwhelm, stress, and more. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Byron. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. As someone who has gone through what you were talking about, kind of learning to manage people and becoming the CEO of a business, there's a lot that goes into how we can kind of keep our energy up and be our most productive selves and create spaces for other people to be productive. So I'm just, I love talking about this stuff and I'm really glad you're with me today. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here because I think this is such an exciting and interesting field. And it's definitely something that people as they get into that managerial and leadership realm, there's so much that can be overlooked that can cause problems. So yeah, I'm really excited to dive into it. All right. So I want to start with what I hope is not too hard of a question. But as I was reading your book, there was this one sentence that really stood out, which is that often someone who is overwhelmed is actually just underplanned. And I just that resonated so much with me. Can you say what you mean by that statement and what you're seeing that makes you think that that statement is so true? Yeah, this is something that I see 99% of the time when I have clients coming to me just saying that overwhelmed by everything going on. Because the problem is when you're in a leadership position, beyond your just role and responsibility, you've got to support your team, you've got to put out fires, you've got to deal with stakeholders. There's so many different things going on that it can be really easy for your days just to become all about firefighting and bounce around between one thing to the next. And I find that this is where we become our own worst enemies because Rather than slowing down, we're in this constant rush to try and get things done. And when you've got so many scattered thoughts and ideas going on in your head, that pushes you into that high-stress state, and that's when you become overwhelmed. And it's so counterintuitive because the amount of people I speak to who say that when they're that busy, they don't have time to slow down and plan, but that's actually the time they need to do it most. Oh, yes. I've, de- I've definitely had those days where I'm like, I don't have time to even like make a to-do list. I'm so busy. And then inevitably, that makes me more busy and more scattered and more feeling frustrated because I didn't do that planning. Yeah, I was talking to a client about this earlier today, and he re- has recognized that by planning, taking that 15 minutes, it actually saves him hours every day because it allows him to hone in and really figure out, okay, this is why I need to move forward. And then he can really put his attention accordingly. Whereas if he doesn't do that, then it's just going into the day based on 
busy work, what he feels like doing or what's thrown his way, which is never going to lead to any real growth or progress. Completely. And I've definitely seen this on a more macro level, too. Whenever I'm feeling kind of out of sorts and just like there's so much and I can't keep it all straight and it's starting to move into that overwhelm, it's like doing the brain dump and getting everything out of my head and reorganizing and resorting, even though it can take an hour, two hours, three hours even sometimes, it just lifts that like that feeling of intensity just like starts to dissipate because now things are organized. There's a plan. I just I can feel like I can let go of of holding on to all that in my head. And I'm guessing you have a similar experience with your clients. Yeah, you've basically just shared my favorite strategy for this. Because it's actually the simplest. When you're feeling really overwhelmed, the best thing you can do is get a pen and paper. And without overthinking it, just do a complete mental brain dump. Just put all everything going on in your head down in front of you. And the benefit of doing that is that it allows you to then consciously disconnect. You can then look at it and go through it point by point and then ask yourself, like, what do I need to do for this? What action do I have to take? And all of a sudden, by the end of it, you have a game plan for what needs to go on. I'll give you a perfect example of this. I had a call with a client a few days ago, and when we got on, he told me how he was just completely overwhelmed. He had so many things to do. He didn't know where to begin. And I made him do this exact exercise while we were sat there. We went through it point by point, and he dumped out everything from work on a project to a new hire. He had to call a dentist, sold his car insurance. Like, it was all of these things going on in his life. And we just took 10 minutes to get it down, go through it point by point. And by the end of it, he was like, oh, I can do all of this. Like, it seemed perfectly manageable. But because when it was going on in his head and just everything was all over the place, that was why he was stressed about it. So a lot of the time we overcomplicate where it's actually the simplest things that really matter. You've just got to get down in front of you and create a plan. Yeah, that that makes so, 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 so much sense. And it's clear that sometimes overwhelm is just being a sense of underplanned. And when we can get ourselves, get all that thinking out of our head and make a plan, that feeling of overwhelm disappears. So obviously this requires some sense of planning and preparation for your day, your week, your month. So I'm wondering if you can talk first kind of at the high level again about this concept. I I had never heard of this before, but push days and pull days and this way of kind of structuring your week or your month to optimize the energy that you have to execute on your plan. Yep. This is hands down my absolute favorite strategy when it comes to energy management. I'll give you a real world example and then I'll explain it and how it's actually executed. So I had a client come to me who at that time he was absolutely crushing Monday and Tuesday. He'd wake up really motivated. He'd get a ton of work done. It was highly productive. By Wednesday, his energy was a little bit depleted. He wasn't getting as much high value work done. Thursday was even worse, and Friday was a complete write-off. He was exhausted, unfocused, and just really didn't get much done. And when I started breaking down what was happening, what I suggested to him is that we needed to implement a push-and-pull day structure where he would treat Monday and Tuesday as a push day. A push day is essentially when you go all out, you take on high bandwidth tasks, you overload yourself and allow yourself to do more. And then I encouraged him on Wednesdays to implement what I call a pull day. And that's essentially a day where you pull back. You focus on rest and recovery. You potentially sleep in. You take on tasks that aren't as mentally taxing. And for him, what that meant is he would then work really hard Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday, he'd have a later start to the day. And he'd then finish early, go to the gym, play tennis, get a massage, do whatever he wanted. And when I told him this, 
he was really reluctant at first. He felt guilty with just the thought of taking time off because he felt like he should be working, but he gave it a go. And what he found was that by having Monday and Tuesday as a push day and then pulling back on Wednesday, he was able to recover and come back in on Thursday and Friday and have two more push days. So essentially what he went from was having two highly productive days a week to four just by having that little bit of recalibration period. And that's why for me, it's all about looking at your energy on a whole and building your structure and routine based on longevity. Because most people just try and have the same routine and same thing every single day. And while it's fine, it's far from optimal. Yeah. And it makes me think putting together what we were just talking about, having a plan to help you get past this feeling of overwhelm, that for a lot of us, we look at like vacation time or weekends or trying to like take an extra day off. That that can give us maybe some mental space to relax. But when we come back, it just goes right back into that sense of overwhelm. And what you're describing by having your plan and designing your week for push days where you're really focused on execution and then pull days where you're focused on recovery helps make those times away from work, right? Those those kind of pulling back days actually really effective at stopping the cycle of overwhelm. So you can actually maximize and optimize the whole system instead of kind of this back and forth of either I'm in the work and feeling overwhelmed or I'm on vacation and probably still feeling overwhelmed, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. And another with the push and pull day concept, you're going to have to test it because there's no right or wrong and it's going to be very dependent on the individual. And that's why I would encourage anyone listening to this right now to just think on how their average week looks like. When do they feel energized? When do they feel like they're starting to lag behind? And how could they implement this idea of some days going all out and some days pulling back? Because it is going to have to be a trial and error process. But once you get that right, that's when you really have a game changer for your energy. But it is all about looking at the macro picture. It's not just getting pulled into the day-to-day because if you're just looking at what's happening right now, you're overlooking the course of a week or a month or a year. And it's really about optimizing in a way that allows you to perform consistently at your best. Do you have any thoughts about how we structure the push days or the pull days? Meaning, are there things that you should or shouldn't do on either of those days? Or kind of how do you figure out what the right set of your meetings or tasks, et cetera, might be for each of those different days? It's going to be highly dependent on the individual. But I find for push days, generally, that's when you want to schedule your really creative work. Could be a case of doing stuff where you need to be energetic and really focused. Pool days are generally where you want to take on less bandwidth tasks. So if you're allowing yourself to recover, you probably don't want to be taking on tasks that are going to be mentally draining, like looking at detailed reports and putting together spreadsheets and stuff that are going to take a lot of focus. You want to, that may be a time where you want less intensive meetings, you want to tick off admin work or anything else that's not really that's important but it's not your most essential work so it's going to be highly dependent to be honest on the person's role what their responsibilities look like and how their overall week looks because another example could be you do a push day where you get through the majority of your meetings and then you pull back the next day and then focus on creative work so that's why i said it's you the individual is going to have to look at their routine and what it looks like and then figure out, okay, how do you then start building stuff around your energy and when you feel at your best as well? Yeah, well, that makes sense too, that for some people, having quiet, focused time is actually that pulling back is exactly what they need to do that really deep, creative, big thinking work. And their push days are the days where they're doing all the extroverted, go out to the meetings, do the the big kind of group team tasks. 
And, and that's the right balance. So I can see how it really depends on, on the person. So let's shift here a little bit and talk about when you're starting your tasks and you're ending your tasks. Because this is another piece that you talk about that can help us shift from kind of, oh my gosh, I have so many things to do, to being calmer and more present in the work that we're doing. So can you talk a little bit about the intention setting behind getting started with a task? Yeah. So what I found is that the way that most people just approach tasks and is they just bounce around from one thing to the next. So one minute they might be responding to emails and they'll dive into that report, then they'll rush around to a meeting and then they'll just try and cram everything in. And the issue with that is it's very difficult to actually think clearly then. And this is where you can lose so much time getting pulled into distractions or things that don't matter. And this is why from a high performance standpoint, you really need to get hyper-intentional with what you're actually taking on. And this is why I advise to anyone, before you dive into a new task, give yourself 30 seconds where mentally you proactively go through it. You ask yourself, okay, what am I about to do here? What is the outcome I'm trying to get from this? What challenges could potentially come up? And how do I need to handle those as my best self? What this allows you to do is mentally prepare yourself so that you can go into the task knowing exactly what you need to do. So rather than then you just going in hoping for the best, you can have that focus. And it also then allows you to switch intentions and transition from one task to the next, which is going to be massively beneficial for your headspace and maintaining your focus as well. Yeah, I've definitely read things that say we need like 20 minutes to fully switch gears. So it sounds like by setting an intention at the start of the task, it'll just help us get there faster. Is that is that right? Yeah, it also allows you to pick up on things that could potentially go off. Because let's say you're about to sit down and work on a project. If you take your mind through and be like, okay, I've got an hour. What are the key things I want to get out of this? What do I want to move forward? What do I need to make sure that I get done? And then you ask yourself, like, what could potentially disrupt me? Well, then you can be aware of, okay, your inbox is still open. So that could be a distraction. It could be a case of your, you've left your office door open. That could mean people could just walk in and just dis- disrupt you. So it's thinking out, okay, what could potentially get in the way? Because... Anytime you do get your focus pulled elsewhere, there was a study that found it takes up to 26 minutes to get back onto what you're doing. So if you're constantly allowing yourself to move between working on that project, then you're looking at social media, then you're responding to an email, taking a phone call, all of those things are just going to leave you in a situation where you feel very busy, but you're not actually getting much done. And at the end of the day, there's a huge difference between being productive and actually just being busy for the sake of it. Oh, yes. <laughs> I've definitely had those days. And to your point about how do I want to use this hour, it always amazes me how any task can kind of grow to the size of, of its fishbowl, if you will, right? Like if you start a task and you're not thoughtful about what do I, I have an hour, what do I want to get done in this hour? How long do I expect these tasks to take that you can start down a path and then your hour is gone and you're not done when if you had been a little intentional around it, that whole process may have only taken 20 minutes and you would have 40 minutes to do something else. But because we just dove in too fast without setting ourselves up for success, without thinking about where we could get distracted, we just used our time in and just used it up, basically. Yep. You hit the nail on the head there, and that goes back to the proper planning. Because if you don't plan what you're going to get done, you're basically just going in for the best, hoping for the best, and hope is not an effective strategy. <laughs> so that goes back to 
get having a clear plan of what you want to get done for the day and then setting the intention to follow through. Because if you allocate yourself two hours to do something, you're probably going to find a way to fill it with two hours. Whereas if you're like, do you know what, this is going to take me 20 minutes and you set the time and intention, you'll get it done in 20 minutes. So it's just about holding yourself to that higher standard, which comes through that preparation. So can you talk a little bit about how to do your daily plan or how do you recommend folks do their daily plan? Is it something that you do the night before, the morning of? Does it really matter when you do it? What should go on your plan? What shouldn't go on your plan? Any any tips and tricks for daily planning? Yes. Yeah, so for me, the daily planning actually begins at the beginning of the week. So one thing I always advise people to know is a rough idea of where they want to be in 90 days. Like what are their big goals? What are their KPIs? What do they want to achieve? They can then break that down and go into the week knowing of, okay, if this is where I want to be in 30, 60, or 90 days time, what do I then have to move forward? And then one of my favorite questions to ask when going into the week is ask, is looking at what would need to be done by 5 p.m. on Friday for me to feel like this week was a success, because that's going to then allow you, allow you to align what your key priorities are. And then as for when you do the daily planning, honestly, it doesn't really matter um, some people like doing it the night before because then it allows them to switch off and they can just go about their night. Whereas some people, so much can change overnight, so it's a little bit unpredictable, so they prefer it in the morning. So the best time to do it is the time that you can stick to. And then from there, it's just figuring out and going back to one of my favorite questions, similar to the week one, I always ask myself, like, what do I need to get done by 6 p.m. to feel like today was a success and I moved things forward? And the reason why that's so important is a lot of people just overload themselves or they allow themselves to get pulled into things that don't actually matter. And then based on that, I tend to set two to three key priorities. Those are the big things I want to get done. And then I'll have a radar of other tasks that if I get on top of everything else, then I'll go on to them. But I find anyone who has more than two to three top priorities is probably setting themselves up to fail because between meetings and other things they need to do and emails it tends to just be putting too much on them. And that's why you'd be far better off honing that in based on what's actually going to move the needle forward and then getting very intentional with that. So we've been talking quite a bit about this practice kind of for myself as a manager and how I can make myself most productive. I'm wondering if you've seen teams try to adopt kind of a collective practice of push and pull days or a collective practice of daily planning. Has that, has that ever been something you've talked to clients about? Yeah, I've got several clients who've implemented the push and pull philosophy into their teams. Like I've got one guy who runs a sales team and he's taught it to all of his team members just because he had such a big impact on his performance as a result. And now he uses it throughout the whole corporation. As for planning, it depends on how big the team is. It's one of those things of it is beneficial to include people in so that people know what everyone else is working on. But at the same time, it can also be one of those busy work tasks where people are just like, I'm in another meeting I shouldn't be in. So it really depends on the individual. I have found for a lot of managers, though, what is very effective is planning with an assistant. So it's sitting down with someone and being like, okay, this is what we need to move forward today. This is where I need your help and support. These are things that you can handle for me. And then it becomes easier to delegate. Yeah, I have to say that my my weekly planning with my assistant is probably one of my favorite meetings of the week because we get clarity and then I get excited about all the things that she's going to do on my behalf. And it makes me feel so productive, even though she's the one doing the work. Yeah. And this is probably the best piece of advice that anyone listening to this can take away is when you step into a leadership and management point, you have to start getting a lot more defensive with your time because the, sta- the tasks that you did at the beginning 
while they are very important, as you progress, you have to learn to delegate and let go because ultimately you only have so much time and energy in the day, which is why what you don't do becomes just as important as what you do do. And that's why before you begin your planning and before you commit to take anything on, you really have to ask yourself, like, does this need to be done by you or could this be done by someone else? Because when you get into that mindset and you start handing things off, that's going to free you up to actually prioritize the tasks that are going to lead to growth. And this is one of the areas I see so many first-time CEOs or managers really struggle with because they get pulled into the weeds or they don't take the time to stop and think about whether or not they should actually be the ones doing those tasks. I completely agree. This is one of the biggest things I hear managers struggle with around feeling comfortable delegating and then how to delegate and then they do hand something off and then it doesn't come back the way they want and then they wish they would have just done it themselves the first time and it's a really difficult cycle when you're not doing it properly and kind of with the right setup for success and empowering your team members and setting them up to to be successful and it can be it can just add to all the stress that you already have as a manager yep there's one really actionable like tip i would love to add in there One of the guys I've been working with, he runs like a lot of tech stuff and there's a lot of data and really in-depth work. And he's got team members who came in, they were working on projects and he'll admit that he's not the best at communicating. So often he just goes off on tangents and he explains all of these things and he just confuses people more. And he was finding a lot of the time he would then communicate to his team how to do a certain task. And they would say, oh yeah, I've got it. They would then go away do work on it and it will come back three weeks later and he would see all of these mistakes and then he would have to spend the next 10 hours trying to fix it. And for him, this was so frustrating because it meant he couldn't trust people to get it done. And ultimately, when we started diving into it, the problem was how he was communicating it because he wasn't clear in setting expectations and what was needed. And that's why the piece of advice I gave him and what he's incorporated is when he takes someone through really detailed work, he then says to them, okay, what I want you to do is just talk me back through what you need to do and how you need to approach this just so I can make sure we're on the same page. And then if that team member does it and they can't explain back what needs to get done, he knows that he hasn't communicated properly and there's a misalignment. And this is really a a useful strategy you, you can use just to make sure that that person actually knows what needs to get done. Because if they do, then you can keep them accountable and great. But if they can't explain it back straight away, you know something's off and they're not going to be able to do it properly. Yeah, I love that tip. That's That makes perfect sense and such an easy way to get that quick check-in of, have I been clear? Is this person ready to go off and and execute? So I want to go back for a second to the kind of managing your day against your plan, because there was another technique you talk about, the stress decompounding technique. And given the ebb and the flow of a workday, there are times where we're deep in a task and it feels great and things are good. And then there are times where you're like in a meeting and it's maybe super stressful and you come out. And now you have to refocus and get into a task and you're just not in the right mindset. And I loved this technique. So can you talk about the stress decompounding approach? Yeah. So one of the most effective things you can do for calming and yourself and regaining your focus is breathing. It's something that we've all heard when it comes to meditation and finding ways to calm down. But what most people don't stop to think about doing is incorporating their days. And when I first got this idea, my mom is a critical care nurse, and she was talking to me about some of the things that they do in A&E. 
And one thing she was telling me about was a breathing technique that the doctors and nurses use in crisis situations where they force themselves to stop. They breathe into the count of four and out to the count of four, taking deep breaths to calm themselves down. The reason being is when you're in a high stress state, there's no way you can think clearly or make the right decisions. And during that time, your cortisol levels spike up and your heart rate goes up. So by slowing down and breathing, that's how you lower those levels so that you can actually think clearly. So this to me made perfect sense. So I started incorporating it myself and with clients where after a stressful meeting or an intense task, whatever it is, before moving on to the next thing, you stop and slow yourself down. And it had the same effect because while it may not be an emergency room, all of that high stress has the same impact on the body. And this is where a lot of the time you can get that brain fog and you can feel on edge. And that's why I always encourage people at the end of every big meeting, event, task, whatever it is, take 30 to 60 seconds just to breathe and calm yourself down. Imagining with every exhale, you're letting out all of that built up tension. What that allows you to do is ground yourself so that you can then be calm when you go into the next thing. So you're not just rushing around, feeling stressed out of your mind and taking that anxious energy into everything else that you do. Yeah, I feel like this, the big theme here is getting yourself out of overwhelm and kind of the emotional stress and implementing techniques that give you the space and the right mindset to really make the most of each day and the time that you have for each task or each activity. And that by implementing push and pull days, by having your your goals and your plan for the week and then your day, and then using these techniques of having an intention before you get started, and then this deep breathing when you're done so you can move into your next activity kind of at your highest level, that all of that combined, and then of course, delegating things that you don't need and trusting your team members to get them done, right? All of those things just set you up to be your best self when you have your work day ahead of you or you have your work week ahead of you. And, or even in the middle of the day, you're really setting yourself up to do your best. Yeah, it's spot on. And these are all the the reason I love these strategies is people of every level can do this. Like I've implemented these with anything from middle managers to CEOs running billion dollar companies because they're effective regardless of what's going on. Every single one of us, if we want to get more out of our days, needs a proper plan. We need to be intentional. We need to find ways to manage our energy and maximize our focus and state of flow. So I think anyone listening to this, regardless of where they're at in their career, will be able to implement these immediately to allow them to actually start performing at a higher level. Yeah. And they also sound like techniques that can really stay with you as your career evolves and advances, that these are not things that are just kind of for for this moment, but they can really be part of your lifelong approach to, to, to work and to career, no matter what your role is. Yeah. The one big piece of advice I'd give to anyone listening to this is just test it. Like there's so many strategies and ideas out there and ultimately everyone's different. So you need to just go in with an open mind and be like, okay, I'm going to try this for a couple of weeks because that'll give you enough data to then reflect and be like, okay, did this actually help you and have a positive impact? If you do, if it does, then you can know that you need to be consistent with it. Such good advice. So important to test and also to test for long enough to see a difference. I have noticed with my own clients that they'll try something for a few days or maybe like two weeks and they'll be like, I don't think it's worth it. And I'm like, wait a second, you don't have enough data yet. You're still in the learning mode. So sometimes you really do need to try something for a month, two months, three months to to get the full benefit and to really figure out if it's working for you or if it's if it's not. Yep. 
Spot on. Because also as well, the first week of doing it, you're a little bit more intentional about it. So you need that extra few weeks just where you're doing it consistently. And it's not something that you're excited by or just like really hyped up about doing to see, is it still giving you the positive effect? Because a lot of people overthink it, whereas actually it's the small things that when you combine them have a compounding effect, which will massively impact the way that you are actually able to show up day to day. So, so, so true. All right. Well, sadly, we are out of time here. So Byron, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fantastic boss? But for me, that probably goes back to when I was first in the corporate world. Like I had an absolutely incredible manager who, when I was first getting into marketing, really took me under his wing and he taught me everything like basic graphic design, how to like build newsletters, how to write blogs. And he just gave me the wealth of knowledge that really set me up, which for me, I've recognized I was very, very fortunate with that because I've had friends and clients and other people I've spoken with who they've joined a company and they've just been thrown into the deep end. They've never really been given that mentorship or guidance, which has just left them to flounder. So I think that is such a really strong trait in any good managers. It's not about just proving how good you are. Like the real testament to your success is how much are you able to up-level and bring your team along with you. And I find this is where a lot of first-time managers go wrong because they feel like, oh, I've got to prove myself. I've got to show everyone how amazing I am. Whereas actually, the real skill set you have to develop is how do you bring out the best in the people around you so that you can then grow together. Oh, beautiful. And such good, good advice and mindset shifting for all managers. And where can people learn more about you and get a copy of your book? So easiest place to find out about me is byronmorrison.com. I've got various resources and trainings on there and everything from mindset to productivity and becoming more effective in your role. I've also got a few books on Amazon on mindset and productivity and performance. And I'm about to release my new book, Maybe You Should Give Up, which is all about helping you get out of your own way so that you can break through to the next level of success. And that's available anywhere that you can order books. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm super excited to try this push and pull day. I think that'll be my experiment for the next couple of weeks. So thank you. Thanks for having me on. Byron is providing free access to his Amplify course, which is the ultimate productivity, time, and energy management course for CEOs and business leaders. You get access to this when you pre-order a physical copy of his new book, Maybe You Should Give Up, Seven Ways to Get Out of Your Own Way and Take Control of Your Life. This offer is available to patron members of The Modern Manager and all members of the Skills Accelerator. To join, go to themodernmanager.com slash join to become a member. And if you work for a government or nonprofit agency, you get 20% off of any membership level. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes 
and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.